Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. This episode is brought to you, as always, by Laura Lee Smith. She's a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas, and surrounding areas. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in that area, I highly suggest that you call or text Laura Lee and start that conversation. That's what we did. She found us our dream home, and we couldn't be happier. She made the process so enjoyable. So don't take my word for it. Call her or text her at any time at 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. And if you want to support the podcast monetarily, you can head over to 95adventures.com and check out any of the cool coffee blends that we have in stock over there. The most important way that you can help this podcast out if you enjoy what you're listening to That is, like, rate, and review on iTunes or your listening platform. Screenshot a picture of you listening to this episode, such as this one, and then repost it on your social media. Tag us, tag the guests, tag whoever. Just know that we appreciate each and every one of you that does that. It means so much to the growth and the expansion of this show. So, with all of that being wrapped up, this was a special episode for me. I had the honor and pleasure of talking to Tom Heiser. He's uh, He works for Rollerblade. He's done a bunch of other different stuff, but mainly uh, growing up as a kid, some things shaped my life, and that was skating and the fundamentals that I, I still take with me to this day and the creativity and the way my mind works. And he's he was part of one of the biggest videos that kicked that off and one of the biggest names. So it was just an honor and pleasure to talk to him. And also, how you can take a hobby and take something that like you just love like that and keep pursuing it and stay on the path, whether it be a professional in that area or whether you find jobs and doing things that you love and being around the things that you enjoy. Really, just a great conversation. Had a blast. Hope Tom did too. And with no further delay, here he is, Mr. Tom Heiser. That's it. It's that easy. We're in. Thanks, Tom, for doing this. Um, I have to full disclosure, and this is not what I want to just like dive into the whole time. But you are in possibly the greatest rollerblade video of all time ever. Ah, right. <laughs> and like when I say it shaped my life, is like the, there's certain moments, like you know, there's a lot of things that rollerblading taught me and growing up, you know, as a kid and stuff, and you know, like falling and trying again and keep trying until you get it you know never that never quit stuff the creativity like you see the world different um you look at things you don't see like just a city and some concrete you see a playground and you make things out of it and it kind of bleeds over into everything that i do in life but that video was like so like my eyes were wide open in hoax too, I was just like watching it, just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, Roller Warehouse magazine, I had to order it, you know, dial through the phone and get it through uh, through the mail and stuff. So um, it's like an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, man. That that video changed my life too. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it did. Like it, it's what like that's something that you have that no one can ever take away from you. Yeah, that's the coolest thing about skating. And like, sometimes I'm envious of the kids from this era because they have such, you know, they just point their iPhone at the action and there it is, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the hoax too is it is awesome. I mean, we we made like little high eight video edits to try and get sponsored when the sport was just beginning because I came from skateboarding and it just uh, was the thing to do. You know, we 
my parents had a hi8 video camera so we filmed each other and like put two vcrs next to each other and made little videos and um they got a sponsor that we got sponsored by Hyperwheels and stuff but there was a video called the bottom line that i think came out just before the hoax um i think that was the first like real video i was in and then the hoax two came out and that was like the breakout thing where we were starting to really get after it and doing kind of original stuff at that time my best friend andy cruz and i were like always out in atlanta street skating and um we were inspired by skateboarders because that's what was around us and um yeah so we were just we were going crazy you know and there's there was a lot of tricks that didn't make that video you know we saw the video we're like oh what happened to this and that stuff they didn't film but you know at the time no one knew who we were so like we didn't have much pull like arlo and those guys that were already somewhat established ahead of us got to shine in that and they deserved every bit of it but uh yeah hoax too is really cool man it's just it's really neat that you get like very few people get to be a part of something that changed like a culture and at that moment in time like rollerblading was big but like not skateboarding or bmx level and then after almost like after that video it got bigger than all of them <laughs> i know we grew faster than we probably should have honestly um yeah i mean it's yeah at the time you know we were like i would skateboard in in blade at the same time i'd bring them both to most sessions and a lot of my friends were skateboarders still so we were like skating with skateboarders um and at the first X Games, 1996, I went there, and um, you know, it, we get into this like everyone's staying at a um, like a college dorm, you know, and we go there like Tony Hawk's there, Danny Way, all these big names, and we got off the bus, man, and it was like took the bus from the airport, and we go in the lobby, and it's like some of my idols from skateboarding were staying there. It's like Colin McKay and Toss Papas and Danny Way, and they're like. Toss Papas is just a hard-ass Australian. He was always busting people's balls. But he's like, the first time I heard fruit, baby, does. You know, <laughs> eat fruit, baby, does. We show up, and we're like, oh, wow. Like, these guys hate on us. We, I mean, we showed up out of nowhere. Just like you said, the sport blew up overnight. Literally in like a year and a half, the sport blew up. And these guys had been around forever with BMX and skateboarding. And then here we were, like, the stars of the X Games the first year, you know. So, yeah, we got it good, man. We were, we were the... The young rats they got hazed it's pretty funny yeah well I, I don't want to spend too much time on all that stuff because really like the interesting part to me is like uh, uh like growing up and doing it for so much and then traveling and you yeah. know being i was in a uh right before it was called like the x games officially it was the slim jim extreme games and then the i did it in this in in san francisco and um it was just like I came to a point where my dad was like, you got to get a job. You can't do this anymore. Um, you got to actually start making money. And like, I, I really had a choice. Like, He didn't make me make me, but I, f I felt a lot of pressure in it. But really, I had a choice to like go one way or the other. And I was like, oh, there's probably no money in it. You know, I could travel the world and have a lot of fun or you know, work in the family business, you know, which isn't bad at all. But I see my, some of my friends now that actually got jobs from sticking with it and are actually doing stuff they love to do that are, is either involved or around the sport and yeah. si similar to like very much like your position now. Yeah. <laughs> well, a 
it's funny my dad i got my first pair of skates and my dad's like you'll never use those damn things you know <laughs> it's still a joke to, these, to this day <laughs> um man i don't know it it was luck right place at the right time and god just a lot of folks that hooked me up and you know I, there was some bit of like just go for it in my mind i I had some friends in skateboarding in Atlanta that went off at the same time we did to California, and um, they they made it big and just before us, and well, they were starting to make it big just before us. We're like, wow, you know, Jamie Thomas can get sponsored by real skateboards, and we could probably do something too, you know. Um, and so we sort of had this naive mindset in our head, and um, and I guess it was a blessing because at the first X Games, I blew out my knee in warm ups, and so that at that point. I realized, oh, wow, this is this is a pretty violent sport on your body, you know, to skate like this, and it's probably not sustainable for a long time, kind of along your mindset, but I wanted to be involved with, uh, I wanted to be involved with that kind of action sports culture world, and so I started kind of paying attention to the business side, and I got the opportunity to work for K2 and develop a skate and then start helping with marketing, and I always just, like, made sure I was on point for those opportunities, where I, I got the, like the corporate chance and then um, that's to me this day like that's today that's how I exist <laughs> because of that decision really so. and then and then like I, I I just randomly like so because of the podcast I got Instagram and Facebook and Twitter I was never really like on it never really cared just went about doing my own thing um, and and then I was like oh I searching random people they hit my head and here's Tom Heiser like man he's he's like mountain biking everywhere downhill like he's going you know like the whole family's out you take your family out and it seems like your kids are into it um everybody's into all these like these cool things uh so you just kind of like keep that sort of mentality and keep going and your kids seem to love it um is it something that like how did you get into the mountain biking part of it i man I, it started a long time ago my brother's friend when i was like I don't know, 12 or something like that, had one of the early mountain bikes and he left it at our house and went away for the summer. And I rode that thing everywhere. I remember riding up my backyard to my best friend's house, like this steep little, like abrupt hill thing that there's no way I could ride my BMX bike. But I put in that low gear on the mountain bike and climbed up it. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so way back then I, I got the, the bug. I started out BMXing at like every kid in the eighties. Um, after watching ET, but it, yeah, mountain biking has always been there and I got out of it a little bit when skating took over. But when I moved out to Seattle to work for K2, I, they were making mountain bikes. And so I bought one of their, like it was one of the first full suspension mountain bikes. And I started riding out there with my buddy, Scott Matchell, who's the BMX product manager at the time. And he took me to some really rad places in Washington state, like tiger mountain and stuff. And just fell back in love with it then and just stuck with it. And then, um, moved to New Hampshire to work for rollerblade guy, like 10 years ago or whatever. And then we, I tried to get my wife into mountain biking. We lived in Seattle and I was just an idiot, you know, like young, young dude taking her down stuff. She shouldn't have gone down, going way too fast. She wrecked a bunch. But then fast forward 10 years later in New Hampshire, I got her a fat bike and um, with those big, huge fat tire mountain bikes. And that let her like have this new taste. And I rode with her slowly like I should have the whole time. 
like a good husband and taught her how to do it and then she fell in love with it and then the kids were just right along for the ride and wanted to get into it with us you know and so you know kind of same thing with snowboarding so yeah my family is i'm pretty blessed like the, my wife's super active and likes to shred and the kids are great athletes and i just try and keep up with them now so yeah, i mean yeah. i don't i don't think people realize like just how crazy like the mountain biking thing is until you actually go do it it is so fun man and especially now the bikes are incredibly good the f- suspension on them and i mean you can just go crazy on a mountain bike it it kind of scratches that itch for me to do dangerous things um <laughs> so <laughs> i like to jump and drop off stuff and just go fast in the woods and i just like being out in nature anyway it calms the soul i think and i think it's for my kids and my wife the same effect and um my daughter is like my daughter is incredibly good at uh, cross country racing, like nationally ranked, rides for Santa Cruz grass team, grassroots team, and then my son is sponsored by Transition Bikes for like free riding. And I didn't do any of that. They, that was just them out riding and running into the right people, and they're like, "Yo, kid, get on this." So it's cool to, to watch them kind of follow a similar similar path that I got to do in skating but in a much bigger industry you know yeah something that's been there a long time it's established and also like you can draw from your experience and help them out you know if they have questions or you know the business side of things like you said learning all that stuff and soaking up because you were in you were in something that was brand spanking new yeah yeah it was brand i mean it's like clean slate new you know and that's i tell my kids just like be yourself and if it works out that's there's nothing more annoying than the, the parent that calls and says, Timmy is so incredible at skating and he should be on your thing. He won this contest. You know, like, yeah, so my kids never do that and I never do that for my kids. <laughs> like, standard when I've had that happen to me a couple times in our little sport, but um, yeah, it's just annoying. Oh, yeah. I've coached Little League, been involved like sports all my life, uh, and then yeah. my kids, you know, their stuff. So I've dealt with the parent that's like, you know, as my kid, exactly what you said, and there's nothing more annoying than being on the other end. They're like, really, no, yeah. because if he was, he'd be in there, you know. Like, <laughs> I th- yeah, I think the coach likes your kid less when you do that. Just <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tips any parents out there: don't be that parent because the coach doesn't like you. No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. But there's so many of them. Like, they look blind and live through. You know, they live through their kids. I mean that that happens a lot. Like, and they want I. I can kind of I get where they're coming from a little bit because they want them to be so good because that's their kid and they care, but they they're so blind to the fact they don't see that they're actually doing them such a disservice. Yeah, I think all of us to some extent live a little bit through our kids, but I mean I definitely uh, try not to do that. I mean my I grew up wrestling a bunch when I was a kid from like third to ninth grade, and I got really good at it. My dad state champ in Wisconsin and wrestled for University of Wisconsin. He was a total badass. And um, I realized, like, in eighth grade, I was like, wow, my dad's getting mad when I lose a match more than I am. And I kind of was doing it to please him. And I, I just didn't want to ever – you know, he was, he meant all the best, you know. I'm not talking smack. Pops is amazing. But um, yeah. I'm, not glad I, I'm glad I wrestled. But I definitely think about that um, for my own kids when they're doing their things. 
Dude, wrestling is one of those things, and it's awesome. I didn't know that you wrestle like that because that's one thing that I look at the trend of like successful people and like how successful wrestlers are after they get done because of the mental and the the physical and the strain and all the struggle that they go through. It seems like they're just whatever they apply themselves to, they're just stronger than other people in whatever area that it it's is. It's such a great sport. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> It's fighting with rules, man, and it's like it taught me so much at an early age. And it, if you're not into it, it's too hard of a sport to continue doing. You know, I mean, it's so exhausting, and it definitely, definitely taught me structure. You know, I mean, my, I, I would make goals in wrestling that my dad would talk to me about doing, and like I still do that now. You know, it's like I remember when I wanted to be a pro skater, I had this little note on on my globe in my room that said i will be pro and i just looked at that every day and like that was the mission you know i wanted to be a professional skater and i had that thing every day i looked at and uh went for it and that was because of wrestling man you know it's like you just said it's it's awesome and my son wrestled for a little bit here too and it's like as a hyzer you have to do it for a little bit (laughs) it was one of the things that you had to do a little bit of so he's He's dabbled in it, not as long as I did it, but um, it's definitely had his taste. <laughs> so, killer sport. Yeah, I mean, and I I tried to like nudge my son towards it. He didn't want to have any part of it. He did taekwondo for a little bit, and then uh, he ended up like he gets to the part where he's got to like hit people to get a belt, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he got done sparring the first time, and he was like, he did good. Like he kicks hard. He, I mean, his technique was great. Um, the coach was like, man, this guy's awesome. And he gets done. He goes, I don't want to do this anymore. And I go, well, what's wrong? Did you get hurt? He goes, no, I just don't like hitting people. Like it made me <laughs> feel bad. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so, so that was the end of like any sort of wrestling martial art thing. That was it. That was like the end of his, I was like, okay, well we're done. So yeah, that's, that's the furthest you can go. But, my wife and I struggle with like, how hard do we push? Because my son TJ likes to just free ride, but he also wins cross country races or gets top three when he does them. But he does those because his friends are in it and the social bit, but he's starting to be over that, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't really want to do this. And part of us is like, well, you're 13, you signed up for it. You need some kind of structure. Um, at this age, I think it's important for some kind of sports structure. So like we're kind of making him do that for now. Um, but it's a weird thing when you're like, you have to do something, you know, cause the skating background is just, as you know, it's just like, it's free flow. You know, you go out, no one's making you do anything. You're just with your homies and you know, you definitely can run into mischief when you're, when you're doing that, but it's also the coolest thing about it, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. It's like, it goes hand in hand. You can't have one with, like, you can't have that without that other side the you know the the mischief that comes with it but you and that's that's one tough thing that i was going to ask you there is about like you know you do need the structure and i'm a firm believer in that my dad was cool as well you know and he 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 was a uh you know college athlete um played tennis he's really really good and he was like hey you know he believed in that structure and that guidance and everything but then at the same i was like you know, the bad child, you know, I went off on the rails and, <laughs> and, did, and did that stuff, even though it was, yeah, even though it was just that, but you know, it, it's a little bit of me when I look at the kids, I'm like, man, 
I, I like to let them be creative and be their own, like figure things out with like see their little minds work and kind of nudge them that way, but with the structure and finding a good balance in between. Yeah, I think there's a lot of overparenting. Personally, I mean, we homeschool our kids, so they get a lot of they're done at like noon, one o'clock, and they get to go like we live at the bottom of a mountain, and they just go play in the woods or rip around. This, like we live right, uh, you got the mountain at the end of the street, and the other direction is downtown Huntsville. So it's like a smaller city, and we let them go ride bikes around and rip it at the skate park, and you know, just kind of get lost in playtime. And I think that's important. There's a lot, so much structure for kids. It's like piano, you know, whatever extracurricular learning activities. And so, I mean, who knows if I'm right, but. I feel like it. <laughs> I feel like it's important. I don't know. Well, I was homeschooled and under the same sort of thing, so that's kind of cool. And I turned out okay, I think. Good. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But um, just to just switch gears just a little bit and, like, your business side and the avenues that, you know, your life is taking you down. Uh, yeah. I know you mentioned working for K2. I know, or at least I heard that's – what I know, like my favorite skate of all time was created by you. Thank With you. The cool. fatty. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun one. <laughs> Man, that change. And I can tell you right now, after the Slim Jim Extreme Games, right? I well, the yeah, the X Games I was in there. Maddie Mance and Eric Shrine go skate. Like we take them yes. out. We go skating with them. And this is how vivid. Like I had TRS. Um, you know, I. had hoax all that i had that skate like that's the only thing our skate shop our bike shop had was the where where did you live at the time i lived in harlingen texas okay yeah yeah so it's like way down at the end of the earth too so there's that and all we had was the rollerblade so i take them out and i'm like what are these skates this is incredible these things are so cool and i remember like i can see his wheels spinning as he did a royale down this rail that we took him to i i can see them spinning in slow motion my eye like i know that it's one of those moments again where i'm like dude i i went home immediately and spent my money on those skates and i never skated anything else yeah man that was again that was a really i was lucky you know uh mark shays who was involved with the first contest stuff got a call from k2 they're one of the sponsors of the the NIST tour and the early ASA events and said, Hey, do you know anyone that's got a good mind for skate design and, you know, ideas where the sport's going? And he dropped my name and I got the job because of him. And, um, I was at art school at the time at Atlanta college of arts, now Savannah college of art, but I was on track to just be a painting major and I was loving that. It was great. And then they hit me up and they're like, Hey, send us drawings for your, your fantasy idea of what the best skate would be. And so I sent them just some sketchbook drawings of uh, what the ideal skate would be. And the next thing I know, they're like, oh, yeah, we want to hire you. And I sold my design for 500 bucks for that skate. I would have for every one of those skates. I would not have to work. But that's another story. And no one knew it was going to blow up like it did. And uh, I definitely... I toured the world because of it, right? So, like, I wasn't as good as Matt Mance and Eric Shrine at skating, but like I said, I I was smart enough to know that I wasn't as good of a skater as the top skaters, but this was a way for me to get in the mix. So, and that skate, along like my 2D drawings that I did, along with the talent of engineers that were at K2 at the time, 
Um, these are guys from Boeing and everything, and they were really great because they weren't skaters, but they knew they needed to listen to us. So the way that they developed stuff back then was really good. Like they had a great product development process. They listened to us. They took my drawings and they would show me the their version of it, and we'd say, "No, tweak it like that." And we got to test a bunch of different samples and. Yeah, the whole process was great and taught me a lot. And I don't know that they make skates like that anymore at K2. Like that process, I think, is – and those guys are all gone. And, um, but they, they had it going on at the time, man. And I was very lucky to learn from the guys that worked at K2 during those days, like from all the different levels, from sales to the marketing dudes and especially those engineers. They were, they were dialed. And then from there, where did you go? Like from that point, like you sell that skate for 500 bucks, which if anybody were to know, they still make that skate, like they still make that model now and they make a couple different ones. People had their, I mean, it was the biggest skate there was for a while. Yeah. There's still aspects about that skate that I think other companies are just now getting onto, you know, um, which is cool to see. So where did I go from after that? Yeah. Um, So then you know, they, they had me move from uh, Atlanta to the home offices in Seattle, which was cool. I got to live in uh, West Seattle at first with Chad Grout, who was a pro skater for Rollerblade, and then I lived in on Capitol Hill in downtown Seattle, like in the crazy art district area, which is amazing. And, yeah, I was like this punk, the youngest guy at K2 by years, and I would go to the <laughs> office every day and try and fit the corporate thing, you know, that was really weird. Uh, what, was, like, what, okay, I'm trying to pick, like, I'm trying to I picture, picture it. it. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> corporate dudes and me, you know, so <laughs> it was really weird. And I don't sit still very well, and I had to sit, like, in this office, and the internet had just come out, and just, like, I'd go crazy. Luckily, I traveled a lot, but when I sat in that office, I'd go crazy, man, it was terrible. Um, it was just terrible because I didn't. I just wanted to skate and be out in the mix, and I got to do a lot of that. And I got to travel. Literally, I've been, I've been just about everywhere, except for Russia. And for some reason, I haven't made it to South America. But I've been just about everywhere else because of it, and made friends everywhere in the world. And uh, to me, that's probably the coolest part about the whole thing is that, you know, I. I've gone everywhere, man. My first trip out of the country was to South Korea when I was, I think I was just about to turn 19 or something, you know, and it was like, oh my God, it's like landing on Mars, you know, Um, and I've got friends from everywhere, you know, like I grew up in upper middle class America and Roswell, Georgia, and I suddenly had friends from like the hood in New York, (laughs) you know, and I would remember going to their apartments like oh my gosh it's like what do you see on on cops on tv you know and this is where a friend lives so i got this great life experience of like as you know skating you have friend, black kids white kids hispanic kids you know every every social economic class was involved with the sport and i made friends with all of them <laughs> so it's crazy and that's one thing that's one thing about traveling like we do a lot of traveling now me and my wife and the family and everything like that's our one of our favorite thing to do is find different destinations um in fact we don't do christmas gifts we do a, tr- a big trip uh during yeah, the year yeah, so that's awesome. 
and, and we have to pick somewhere new. We finally ran out of places we can go or we can drive like in that time frame. You know, our yeah. last one was Grand Canyon, Zion. We spent Christmas in Zion and then went to Bryce That's Canyon awesome. and back around. Um, but just finding different spots, you know, and we flew to New York and drove back in a minivan, went through, you know, the entire east side, just hit everything up all the way down. Um, but I figured, you know, growing up in such an, a, a far, like back then it's a long ways away. It still is a long ways away. It's at the end of America down there, you know. Um, yeah. I'm right on the border of Mexico, so it takes forever to get anywhere and you're kind of isolated and you only know like what's inside your bubble. And once I started traveling really like it kind of opens your eyes and it's like the best education I ever got. A hundred percent. It really, it really, really is. And I, you know, you watch like right now all the political stuff and you know, I live in the South, right? So like there's all people think it's typical South. Everyone's on the same agenda. It's not true. Um, but you know, I get into these discussions with people and you realize really quickly people that have been out of the country or have friends outside of their, you know, their background, how they grew up, you know, um, it's, it's really so important. <laughs> I don't think you can have these big opinions without traveling, um, to, to different places in the U S as you know, it's just so diverse. It's so diverse. It's, it's crazy. like little, little countries in itself, you know? It really is. Different accents, different, like, I mean, people, their cultures are different, um, their backgrounds. I mean, I guess we really did, like, this country is kind of founded on, you know, immigrants and different people, you know, from different countries yeah. anyway. So there's that. But, like, it really is true. Like, the South, people have, you know, people used to go down to South Padre Island all the time. That's where I worked for the majority of the time I was there. And um, they used to come down thinking you know, visiting from Chicago and be like, man, I expected everybody to have like a cowboy hat on and gun on their hip, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. it's not like that at all. You know, they may have the gun, you just don't see it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I live in Alabama, which I, as a kid, I'm like, you're crazy if I'm ever going to live in Alabama. It just seemed like the most redneck place <laughs> in the world. And parts of it are, but Huntsville, Alabama is full of the smartest people in the world. There's more people with their PhD and in Huntsville per capita than anywhere in the U.S. There's NASA and, you know, all these crazy... All my friends are just, like, way smarter than me, you know? Really? <laughs> so, I did not yeah, know that. It's, it's crazy, yeah, yeah. The center of defense is here, and um, all all the rockets that get designed are from dudes from Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> the, if you, uh, if you NASA, had to pick, you know? If you Space had to pick camp. a spot... It would not be Alabama. If you were going to guess that, like if you pose that question, you would not nope. guess that it's even in Alabama. No, I mean, I was living in New Hampshire in Vermont for eight years where rollerblades up there. And um, I just wanted to be back near my family because I realized my kids were missing family because we had zero family up there. Everyone's in Atlanta. And I told my boss, I was like, man, I got to go back down south. Like, I can't skate half the year, and my whole family's down there, and I just had this burning itch, like, now is the time. And that was three years ago. And he's like, well, man, you do good work. We're going to have to just figure out how to do this remotely. And I was like, thank God, because I was, I was ready to have to do something else if I had to. I did not want to, but I was ready because I felt that sure that I needed to be back near my family. So we started looking kind of in a three-hour bubble around Atlanta, and we looked in North Carolina and Tennessee, and we even looked at North Georgia. I just didn't want to do Atlanta again because it's just, it's an absolute zoo. 
And uh, my brother-in-law lives here in Huntsville, and he's like, man, you should look at Huntsville. I'm like, what are you talking about? No way. And started looking on Google, and I was like, wow, what's this mountain on the edge of town? Oh, wow, there's a little city and a mountain. I was like, that's perfect, you know? Um, Googling it is growing like crazy, and went down to visit, and we're just blown away by the, the nature and proximity to everything, and I can get to Atlanta in three hours, and, you know, it's it's super cool. There are lots of good places to skate, so, yeah, is, it's, here we are. <laughs> is it weird how, I mean, there is, like, so spots you wouldn't think about like you did like we went to connecticut this year for christmas that was our trip it's beautiful um, up there too yeah. man it's awesome like we actually looked at it and went we could actually live here this place is so cool yeah vermont was if, if you've never been i would never been to new england until they asked me to move there and we went to visit in the fall and we were like oh my gosh this is so beautiful and we just had an epic eight years there but we'd still be there if it wasn't this kind of need to get back to a home and, and I'm glad we did my mom just got diagnosed with dementia last year and so it's like there you go that's why we're here you know like that's exactly why we're here <laughs> so my brother just went through a divorce and I was able to go home and see him and hang out with him on his 50th birthday and like just family is super important and I kind of neglected that um yeah I mean I didn't neglect I had to go feed the family and have my career and do what I did but you know just at a certain point I think you realize like wow family's the most important thing so well it kind of goes you had to like make your way through life I mean that's that's who you are you know what I mean like you wouldn't have the skates you wouldn't have had the jobs in the industry that you did if you didn't have that sort of you know mentality about you but I I get what you're saying and it kind of seems like you've just found your way through life in a cool way by just letting it like taking opportunities as they arise and then you end up there where you're needed yeah life's like that i mean when i lived in seattle this is a cool little little story when i lived in seattle i had a buddy that worked at greg's green lake um just another blader dude from the town he was a snowboarder and i got a snowboard at work from k2 they make really good boards and i needed to wax it before i went snowboarding uh, on a Friday afternoon, I went down to the shop, and I'm in the back because my buddy let me in the back on the on the grinder and waxing and getting my board ready. And the manager walks in and says, "Hey, hey, Chris, who's this dude in the back?" And Chris is like, "This is Tom. You know, he's pro rider for K2. You know." And he's like, "Oh, I want to meet this guy." And he came in there, and we met. And then, you know, years later, after my online skate shop, after we sold it, I needed a job. And I've sold rollerblade skates, and I reached out to Rollerblade, and I was like, "Hey, I know, I know, I can help you guys sell more skates. I've been selling your stuff forever. I've been in the industry, blah blah blah." And and one of the big guys at Rollerblade at the time was a guy named Jeremy Stonier, and Jeremy's like, "Hey, man, come up to New Jersey because that's where it was at the time, and do some interviews. I remember you when I met you. You were a good guy. Let's see what we can talk about." And so, small world, you know. And now Jeremy is the international brand manager of Rollerblade. <laughs> so. <laughs> You never know. I could have been a punk, you know, and just been like, oh, whatever, you know, that day. But um, I'm glad I wasn't because he's my boss now. So it's so, and this is something all action sports, just being around it. And I like, I was in no way on any sort of level at all, like where it was, you know, there was no way. I mean, I would have had to work 10 times harder. Um, but it, just being around it, which I'm thankful that I just was 
at least decent enough to be able to hang around some of these people that I did, you, yeah. you realize like, I mean, I would say 99.9% of all of the big stars that I met to the like, low. it's, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're all really super cool. And, and I do like, I do CrossFit now a lot. I've been doing, I've done it for the last like four years and I think I've tied it to something. I don't know if you think the same way, but it's anything with sort of a struggle and something that beats you up and something like you've got to go through this like painful experience type of thing uh, together. You all, you understand like you have a different sort of humbled um, understanding because you're going through the same exact pain that that person that may not be as good as you goes through. So you don't ever treat anything like, or anybody like they're better or below you. Yeah, totally. It's funny you say that as Arlo Eisenberg and Randy Spicer are super into CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Randy is too? I knew Arlo yeah. was. I knew Arlo was. But and it's cool because when they skate now, it's like they can skate. They're not 40-year-old men that are too frail to skate. Because <laughs> if you skate when you're 40, you, you better have a strong core and your back and are you just going to get destroyed your first fall, you know? Uh, I know, I know. I still hit the park as every now and then when I get time, I still hit the park. And Man, I just started hitting the park again like two months ago because I took a few years off. I mean, I've been speed skating a lot just because my body, it needed a break. And then now we're developing a new skate or rollerblade and got all these 3D printed parts. And I'm like, I've got to test this. I got to really, you know, so like my son's gotten back into it with me and we're at the skate park a few times a week now. It's so much fun and i just started from zero like can i soul grind you know like, little soul grind, bigger and it's really a, a fun process and now i'm like i did a rail last friday i was like all right i'm doing a rail like it's a skate park rail but still it's like <laughs> it was like I, the night before i was like envisioning it you know i know i can do it and then i got to the skate park the next day i was like saw in my head same technique i always used when i was younger and boom i did it first try you know so it was like it's just cool to uh scare myself again and push myself on the skates because it's yeah it's the it's the fountain of youth man yeah i mean it really i i believe that 100 percent. i tell like you just stay young when you do st- like you're never too old to do it it seems like a little kid sport like okay you should probably stop doing that and and i'm yeah. like no i i loved it like i lived and breathed it i just i didn't do anything but that and i still love it like even though i don't get to do it but every now and then I still love it and something about falling and hurting myself and just the whole process. And now I don't go out to impress anybody but myself. I just try to yeah. go out and hit a trick if I'm feeling it. If I don't, I don't have to. Um, it's just, it, it's so much, it's almost comfortable circle where I enjoy it so much more. Yeah, for sure. My son, I, I, I grew up skateboarding too. My son's been doing that a bit. And my friend Isaac Altman's who works at Bones, who is a belater, sent him a new board and um you know i'm just like getting my ollie back you know i was like man i used to be able to ollie so high you know and now i'm just like i all up a curve you know it's like starting these things kind of all over again as my son gets into it because he's 13 and you have this thought it's like i used to do that you know and, uh, he's he's my offspring i want to show him how to do this you know but he's already starting to get better than me that can get you hurt too. That ego can get you oh, yeah. hurt if you haven't done it in a while. It's like, ooh man. I know, I know. It, happened, it happened this summer at Winter Park in Colorado. We we're going through the terrain park on our bikes, and T 
TJ's like, Dad, just follow me in. And I'm like, okay. And I was just like going around the jumps, you know. I mean, I was hitting, I was hitting the like 20 footers, but then he like brought me to the zone where the jumps are 45 feet long. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll, I'll shoot pictures of you, buddy. <laughs> like, that's not me. <laughs> I'll jump things I can clear on my blades, but not this like snowboard jump thing you're doing, you know. So, <laughs> so I mean, is it, does it ever seem like surreal or there was a different life back then? Like, you doing the things you did and being in the videos that you've been in and the process and the people you've got to meet. Yeah. It's really like, it really trips me out lately. Like I feel like every time I go to Europe, which I do like four or five times a year, I'm just like, is this going to be the last time in it? (laughs) Like skating still has me doing these kind of things, you know? And sometimes I get tired of traveling too. You know, it's like 70 something days last year on the road. But, um, at the same time, like, this is an opportunity that very few people have. So then I get psyched back up. But it, yeah, it's really weird. Like the Blader Cup thing happens every year in November. And to go there and, you know, like been friends with John Julio for 20 something years, you know, and <laughs> we're still, you know, hanging out together and be hard. And Andy Cruz comes from Finland every couple of years. And it's a trip or go to Winter Clash over in Holland. It's like, 2,000 people in a skate park and it's like wow we were here when it started and now it's this it's like um, yeah it's definitely I don't know lately especially I've had a lot of that like trip out time on the whole thing you know because it's been it's been it started when I was 15 I'll be 45 this summer so there you go it's been a while that's like (laughs) that's proof right there I mean this is what kind of like what I founded the podcast on and the ideas and, and things because I hit a point where I like did the regular old thing, you know, and I was just, I lost all my hobbies. I wasn't doing anything, just working, paying bills, you know, <clears throat> that sort of stuff. And then I got, you know, I took a trip with my kids. I just decided finally, like, I need to get out. I used to travel all the time, took a trip with my kids to New Mexico, just a short trip. And that really like got me back into I don't know, I'd say being me again, you know, being the like what I like to do, the things I enjoy in life. And yeah, man. And like I look back and go, I I want to share that message with other people and they like if you have a hobby, it may be just a tiny little hobby, but you can turn that into something maybe not you're not a pro rollerblader, but you can turn that into something where you work doing something that associates you with that thing you love. Like you can find your passion or your, for sure. you know, whatever yeah. through that by doing it. Yeah. That's, that's my dream for my kids. Like I think they've seen us do it. It's like, you know, the money, money chase is something and maybe that's for some people, but, um, I think experience, like you just said, you know, experiences are way more important than money. And when you die and I've, unfortunately I've had some friends die early and I think that's like, it sucked, but it was also a blessing and made me realize like, you know, it's short, it could be done tomorrow. So you might as well do what you love. And, you know, sometimes you think about, oh, maybe what if I, what if I did this instead? You know, sometimes I'm like, what if I stayed in art school and I did painting and, you know, I see a few of my friends that are really sick artists. Um, I'm like, man, what if I did that? You know, but I don't know. 
I, I don't regret it. <laughs> I don't regret it. And I hope my kids do. Like I told my son TJ, I was like, man, if you end up just being like a mountain bike guy at the Whistler Bike Park, that's sick, you know? <laughs> it, it really is. Like it really is. Like so, I mean, happiness and being able to pay your bills, like that balance is totally what what you need. I mean, for instance, like I, I just talked to a guy last night and I posted the podcast this morning. Um, he started doing the like this thing on the Astros because he loves baseball. All the prospects. He just watched them all the time. And so he started yeah. tweeting out seven years ago stats on all the players and like his kind of thought on how they did. And now he's like he knows all of the, you know, the upper management scouts. He travels. He, you know, he makes money off of reporting on Astros prospects. And it's like, dude, it started from just a free thing on Twitter and a passion and he just it just happened like he just kept pursuing it and kept doing it and that's cool man yeah yeah, yeah. so like I mean, just, people have these YouTube channels and they get paid by Google Corey Miller I don't know if you remember Corey Miller from back in the day but yeah he started filming his daughter uh, dancing and they have a dance studio now and they have a YouTube channel for Autumn and it's blown up they get paid good by uh, Google and YouTube to put these videos up because there's millions of people watching and his daughter was just on an Imagine Dragons video what? <laughs> you know what I mean and, and it was all from Corey's skills from skating where he learned to make videos he learned to network and um, yeah I mean they have a YouTube channel it kills it yeah so, so many like <laughs> so, so many cool. things man so many and it's not just in skating it's like in everything in life the mountain biking but anything anything that like whether it's baseball soccer what i mean whether it's woodworking whatever it is i think that like if you stick to something that you love so much that like you're talented at you just immerse yourself in it it's good things just come if you just stick with it yeah I like to think that too. <laughs> <laughs> but that that, <laughs> that YouTube thing, a lot of people think that that's so easy to do. And I used to I used to think that video editing, I was like, I don't know what these guys do. It's got to be pretty easy until I tried actually editing a video. Like I can yeah. film kind of a little bit from skating stuff, but then yeah. like I tried to edit it and I went, "Whoa, dude. Yeah. This is you wanna, way, way harder. You want to power warp through the day like edit a video it's like hours go by and i've learned to do it like i've been teaching myself because i've always been sitting there watching my friends make awesome skate videos and i'll sit there and be like yeah this clip that clip blah 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 for different projects but i finally got to the point a couple years ago i was like i gotta learn this and so i have the adobe creative suite from work which has adobe premiere editing in it, and i just started playing with it and learning and watching videos and um because my son and daughter want me to make edits of them doing their thing so I'm like alright I can do this without having to like be like brand quality stuff and it's been really fun to, to learn that but it yeah is. it'll take you down a road of time for sure <laughs> yes it will yes it will well man uh, dude this has been a lot of fun uh, Tom thanks for being on um, yeah, like right. it's an honor just to be on here with you again uh like I said, you're one of the guys like in the craziest videos, a name that's well known that I've always like wanted to meet. Uh, I actually didn't think that you would say yes to doing the podcast. I was like, and then I got all excited and told my wife, I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm 15 again. I'm like, hey, hold on, we're gonna interview Tom Weiser. Uh, but let, I mean, is there anything you want to plug before we 
like get off of here? Anything you want to say? Uh, any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, go skate. Check out the rollerblade stuff. We're developing a new skate right now. And um, if you go on the rollerblade Instagram and check it out, there's all kinds of cool stuff we're doing there. And yeah, man, you're you're never too old to keep keep doing what you love. So just like I said, life's too short. Get out there and have fun and enjoy each other. There you go. How about that for that, an end? That works, <laughs> man. That works. Well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for the time, buddy. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned into this episode. Thank you to Tom again. Really appreciated being on. It was such an honor to get to talk to him. Check out Rollerblade. Pay attention to what they're doing and what Tom's got going on over there. And until the next episode, see ya.